Mr. Pop. <laughs> oh, Brian, seriously, I'm glad I didn't live near you in the 70s. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. We're ready to uh, run, jump, hide and uh, do all the uh, all the seven disciplines that come with a heptathlon. It's called Ruck and Roll. I Ooh. am the host of this program, allegedly. My name's Kevin Hillier and with me so far, uh, all present and counted for is, is uh, young Brian Maddox. Yes, hello, Kevin, and uh, hello to our listener. Oh. It's great to, great to have Winko. you on board. <laughs> Winkers, yeah. So what? Who are so lie? I've been listening to an impersonator do Donald Trump on um, Grand Theft Auto and Call of Duty, and it sort of got me in that kind of mode, Kevin. Okay, so we're going to be doing different voices of different people. We've been doing very bad impersonations pre-show. Let's, let's try and keep as many of them out as we can. Uh, we'll do an impersonation of Mark Fine for a little while until he joins us, but he will be joining us uh, very shortly. Okay. Now, um, I'm I'm not sure, but he may be be on the Disney Channel because he's a family man. Uh, We all grew up with those wonderful Sunday nights in in front of the television. 6.30 would come on and there would be Frontierland or um, what was there, Adventureland? Uh, Adventureland. Um, there was the Jungle Cruise. Was that Jungle Land or oh, that would be Adventureland? I yeah, guess. I think so. Adventureland, and then Frontierland, Future- Frontierland was the westerns. Frontier- oh, that's where you had the. You've been to Disneyland, yeah? Yeah, that's where that uh, big Mississippi River boat yeah. would be, yeah. and um, yeah, Frontier. And there's Indians on the. Yes. <laughs> there's Indians shooting arrows at you. There probably isn't now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I doubt they would be now. They're probably. Um, designing, um, you know, doing something other than that, running a casino perhaps. And of course. And then, of course, uh, there's the new addition to uh, to Disneyland and that is, of course, Pornland. Pornland? Well, uh, what other explanation? Uh, surely the Pam and Tommy doco that's on uh, at the moment isn't sort of, you know, Pam Dorber and Tommy Leonetti or, you know, it's, it's, it's Pamela Anderson and what's his face? Tommy Lee? Yes. Yeah, I, I just started watching it and um, I'm loving it. Um, of course you she, are. Tommy Lee's coming across like such an asshole so far. I'm only about three quarters of the way through the first episode, but it's really good. Seth Rogen's great in it. And um, no, I highly recommend it. And I also recommend, Kev, there's a documentary on YouTube and, you Uh-oh. know, it's got its own it's got its own agenda. Um but it's called um, Battlefield Melbourne and um, it's all these people that are anti-Dan Andrews telling their side of the story and um, a couple of the people uh, in it, you know, shows um, some of the protests and the the violence and um, you've really, like, you know, um, we spoke about me putting the plastic gun to my head and the cops coming around and all that. Well, after watching this, you think, Jesus, I was lucky I didn't get, you know, done for incitement because this bloke, he announced that he was going to make a documentary and then a week later, here's the cops, he gets booked for incitement and this other girl, at the moment, if you say anything against the Dan Andrews government, you can get arrested for incitement and you watch this documentary and you just go, this is just, this is a joke and... um, the police, unfortunately, now they 
in this documentary, um, you know, because police do a good job and they're just doing what they're told. Correct. But they're being used as to stifle any free speech that somebody, if you, if you say something against the Dan Andrews government, you're in all sorts of bother. And um, they can just book you for incitement just by saying something bad on Facebook or something. And that is just absolutely appalling. And he did get that thing passed where if I organise a protest against the Dan Andrews government in the city, well, I get a $90,000 fine, I get two years jail. Now, why did we go to World War II, World War One, and why do we fight for freedom of speech and democracy when we just give it away like this? It's a yeah. joke. Okay. I'm All right, well, that's, that's Battlefield, what's it called? Battlefield Melbourne, and the other one's called... Battlefield Melbourne. Check Pam and out. Tommy on Disney. When I saw Pam, Pam and Tommy on Disney, I thought, it can't be what I think it is. And then we should point out yeah. it's 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 a, a sort of a, it's a, a mockumentary. It's it, it's factual, no, but it's... it's just people acting. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. It's, it's a reenactment thing. Yeah. 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 Like what they did with the Monica Lewinsky thing. Um, I didn't see that. Uh, well, similar. They had they had actresses and actors playing the parts of those people, but they were doing it as, uh, I guess, as much to history as you possibly can. And this all revolves around the tape of Pam and Tommy in the front of the car, isn't it? No, haven't you seen the uh, video? No, I haven't. Um, oh, I have. Um, no, they, they, they're in the water there, and they're just, I love you, baby, I love you, baby. They're on right. ecstasy. They're off their face. Right. And unfortunately... Um, I, look, you know, I enjoyed looking at Pam in the nude. That was terrific. But um, unfortunately, Pam feels, films quite a bit of it. And oh, so I it's mainly Tommy. Okay. Tommy just pumping, and I just felt like Tommy was rooting me, and I felt <laughs> a bit uncomfortable with <laughs> oh, that. Oh, really? Is that right? Um, what a great yeah. surprise. All right. Yeah. Um, you know, don't use that angle in your porno movie, people at home. Um, your major audience will be the men. And um, we're we not doing director. Like we're, getting... we're not a we're not a bloody director service for porn films here, you know. Well, we can. Well, no, Mercots we're not. Don't, Mercots don't cater for this, so <laughs> we're not. You know, we're not. We're I'm not giving a few tips. We're not the audio fluffer of uh, of, of, of porn films. Thanks very much. <laughs> you can live without that. Now, while we're talking about uh, things that are right on the edge, you know, things that are mm-hmm. cutting edge, there you won't see this on the Disney Channel. You only no, see this on it? Channel Seven. Mm. Curling. Oh, look. I watched a bit of the curling with um, my sister-in-law and my brother the other night. And blow me dead, it's not quite as stupid as I thought it was. Oh, turn it up. It's a bit like lawn bowls. Yes, with a broom. Um, Yeah. With a little tiny weenie broom. Well, Australia was playing America and we were winning, so I I was... that got me interested. And then um, we ended up losing and then we played China um, and we lost that too. But, you know, I think it's our first year we've had a curling team and they were very, very competitive. And, um, you know, maybe because Australia was there, I bothered to watch it. But um, I don't think the curling's as shit ass as we've often discussed. <laughs> well, uh, what, okay, well, tell me about the commentary. Now, I'm sorry. Now, I know they're... Uh, professional broadcasters, and you know, you get given the given the here you go, Kev. You're doing the you're doing the curling, and you're doing the yeah. the moguls, and you're doing this, and and so you get your little portfolio, and you go and learn as much about it as you possibly can, and then you come back and you and you call it. But I'm sorry, you're not going to sit there and convince me that anybody who was doing that was getting wrapped up in it and was as enthusiastic about it as they made out. It was bullshit. 
Well, that's uh, harsh words for our great Australian curling team, uh, Kev. But <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. Look, I, 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 look, it was late at night, so, you know, maybe I was just in a comfortable position. But um, I didn't think it was that bad. Mm. I don't know, there's not much sport on at the moment. So like, yeah. yeah, clearly. There's not a lot to choose from. Um, you know, all the cricket's finished and the footy hasn't started properly yet in terms of uh, the AFL. Um, yeah, so uh, I can understand that, but yeah. Um, yeah. And the other thing, you know what? Do you know what I'm not getting? No. Well, you and I are doing this podcast, and we are looking at each other. We're finding trying to dial in at the moment, so we hopefully will yes, get I'm him sure shortly. Um, now, I'm watching all these people in the, you know far flung Beijing uh, doing the thing, and they're standing there talking to camera with masks on. I'm sorry. No, You're not going to catch anything from, from standing in there. The, the, the freezing cold will kill the germs anyway. So can we take the bloody masks off and let us see your face when you're talking as opposed to, Yeah, it's just uh, what are they trying to prove, Kev? What are they trying to prove? It's a very good question. You know, you know I'm sick of COVID. I'm over it. I'm over COVID. I'm over lots of things. But, yeah, well, uh, I, I actually got my beard trimmed today and, and the bloke in the in the barbershop who I know really well said to me, he said, people aren't wearing masks, they're not QR coding into stores. He said, they're not doing any of this stuff. Now, everyone's just gone, forget it, we're moving on, we're just doing whatever we want to do now. Yeah, I, I pretty much stopped using the QR code unless somebody enforces it because, you know, um, I think I've already had COVID, I'm not sure, but um, certainly the rapid antigen tests don't give you an accurate answer. My son had two negative test and he had COVID and, you know, I was sharing a joint with him so I probably got it too but uh, <laughs> felt a bit crook, you know. Is that right? Yeah. Uh. yeah so, um, so yeah, I, I, I just don't care anymore and I don't want to be shut down because I went to, you know, McDonald's that had COVID. You know, that's like, no, nah, I don't want them to know I was there. And I think, as you say, a lot of people are doing that. Yeah, I think they've sort of given up on a lot of that stuff. And I'm getting a letter virtually every day from my son's school telling me this class is um, this class is affected, this one's affected, this the whole thing. It, uh, and then then it's a little disclaimer thing down the bottom saying, um, okay, uh, if you if your child's got symptoms, he's being rat. Uh, we have to do tests on him twice a week, so we're doing all that. He hasn't got any symptoms, so we just he's just going to school. Yeah, well, that's. Let's live with COVID. That's what we've got to do. And um, I think probably, you know, as I said in my conspiracy theory, they've designed Omicron so that we all catch it and then we'll have immune to all sorts of COVID. Well, let us hope so. Deliberate ploy. I I love a conspiracy theory, as you know, Keith. Yes. What's happening with Finey? Is he parking the car or what? Well, I think he is. He's trying to park the car inside the building. So we're we're hoping that... um, that he will get to uh, to that uh, shortly. Now, I want to ask you, um, mm-hmm. uh, because we do this every week, we unfortunately talk about the people who passed away during the week and uh, and, and uh, so a lot of them oh. have have uh, to do with us and one, uh, obviously, that did pass away uh, pretty much as we finished the show last week was uh, was Glenn Wheatley. Yeah, wow, what a, what a tragedy. And kind of interesting that him and Gadinsky have both died within a year of each other. And to me, it sort of really symbolises the end of an era um, and certainly the end of two of the greatest managers and promoters of um, Australian music. And, um, yeah, look, 
as I understand, I think he had a heart attack and then got COVID. I'm not sure. Do oh, okay, you? I don't know. I don't know the sequence. As I understand, I think he had a heart attack and he wasn't expected to go too long. Oh, then okay. he got COVID as well. I think, um, they, yes, I don't know that for 100%, but that's my information at this stage. But, yeah, what a great guy, you know. Um, you know, resurrected Farnham's career, broke LRB in America, and I think they all... Did he ever? Know. He and his brother. He, uh, not a lot's talked about Paul, but Paul had an enormous um, enormous amount to do with um, uh, with uh, LRB in those early days. He was on the road with them uh, right across yeah. America, as was Glenn. Well, you know, um, and he was, you know, the bass player in Master's Apprentices, which is a great Australian band, yeah. and um, them getting ripped off so much inspired him to become a manager and treat musicians the way he wanted to be treated. And, you know, Pseudo Echo, he managed, um, oh, he managed so many bands and, yep. you know, did a good job. It started Delta off, um, did a great job with everybody. Yeah, well, um, uh, yeah, I had a, had a bit to do with him, but particularly when John came back with um, with the Whispering Jack thing, uh, it, it yeah. was just a, he was a it was a likable uh, bloke. He was a very accessible human being. He would always take your calls, always have a chat to you, always see how, always asked how you were going, which is a, a wonderful trait that he had. So yeah, no, he will be sadly, sadly, sadly missed by a lot of people. Yeah, my condolences to uh, Gaynor and the kids. Um, yeah. If you're doing it pretty hard. I haven't listened to and it yet, but I, I, know, I see um, Tim's band has done a, or Tim's done on his own, a, a version of Because I Love You, which they were going to release. Um, yeah. Uh, this, well, I think it was this week they were planning on releasing. And then, of course, um, unfortunately, again, Glenn passed. So I think it's available now to, to, to on on uh, all the platforms and stuff. So should have a listen to it. Well, I haven't, should, haven't done it yet. We should play it. It's a good that. song. It's a great, Because I Love You is a, a great, great song. song. A really great song, and you know, so it's turn up your radio and um, five ten man, yeah, Eleva- yeah elevated fantastic. driver was a really good song. Yeah, that's a good song. Is it, did they write that? Uh, or was that a cover? Uh, oh, geez, you got me. I think it might. My memory's saying that's an idea. I've heard an English version. Of I reckon that. it might be a John D. Loudermilk song or someone like that. Might oh, have well, about you with your fancy knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know for a fact, but I think. It rings a bell that is set, but it might not be. It might be a, a Doug Ford song. Yep. Here we go. Here's Mark Here Fine. We can hear you. So, right. finally, we've uh, you haven't missed much. We've talked about uh, uh, Pam and Tommy on the Disney Channel, uh, which is a yep. wonderful yep. little sort of Minnie Mouse and Mickey Mouse documentary. Um, we've done a little bit on the Winter Olympics. Any any thoughts on the Winter Olympics you want to share with us? Oh, yeah, plenty. What have you watched and what have you enjoyed and or what haven't you enjoyed? Everything I've seen, I've been impressed by. How do you feel about the curling? I, I haven't it. seen anything. I haven't seen anything and I have no intention to see anything. <laughs> what, that's, can, our sports, that's our sporting guru giving you all the latest. <laughs> why, why are you boycotting the Winter Olympics? What's going on? Well, I don't like the way the Chinese have been acting towards Australia over the last two years. The Olympic mm. Games are based on the ancient Greek Athletic, athletic pursuits, but I don't think there was a lot of tobogganing going on. And quite frankly, it's not really. But this sport, you know, that are not suitable to this country, I have to say, you know, I don't think sitting on various things sliding down a hill warrants a lot of my attention. Now, maybe if I lived on top of the hill, a hill, in somewhere wet and slippery, I'd change my mind, but I don't. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm. Um, Have we won any medals? I love that sport. 
Yeah, we have. We've won uh, a gold. Jakara Anthony, a girl from Barwon Heads, won the, a mogul's gold medal. Is that for rich people? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it is. Only rich people can win the medal. Um, and uh, we got a bronze on the same day, and I can't remember the girl's name who won the bronze, but she's been to three or four Olympics and finally got a medal, which is terrific. That's beautiful. Oh, good on them. I didn't know. We must have a popular, very cold weather up at wherever that girl lives. Uh, the second girl, I can't remember where she was from, but the the other girl lives in Bowen Heads, so I don't think she's been doing a lot of yeah. s- uh, snow skiing in Bowen Heads of late. No. Good on them. Good on them. All right. I'll, now, I I'll did want... Next All right, I did want to ask you the the, the biggest, uh, the biggest, uh, not only sports story, but the biggest story of the of the last seven days is the Justin Langer situation. I'm sure uh, Brian has a few words about it. I'm <coughs> sure I have a few words about it. But finally, we wanted to we wanted to pick your brain on how this all kind of fell apart as unceremoniously as it did. Well, uh, there must have been. Lingering or not lingering, there must be issues that we are not aware of because I have never heard or been party to talking about a public decision on the hiring or firing of key sporting figures that has seen the hirer and firers so unaware of the room. The, the, you know, the response has been overwhelming, it's just been, you know, a tornado, a tsunami of contempt for Cricket Australia. And, I mean, how would you like to be the next bloke? Scared, mm. hiding to nothing. I will say this, Ian Chappell was scathing of Cricket Australia, whatever his name, who handled that, that wishy-washy, non-descript, non-committal, pathetic, you know, that speech you read out. Nick Hockley. But I will say, yeah, Nick Hockley. I will say this. At the end of that, I love what Ian Chappell said, and I agree. Yeah, what what's, the coach in cricket, what's the coach in cricket anyhow? They don't do much. I mean, it is mm. a sport that is coached on the field by the captain. Um, you know, we... All this coordinated, you know, team, it's not even team building, it's team melding. And all this rubbish has only come in to justify the, the position of all these coaches. Oh, they're happy, they're sad, they're keen, they're not keen. If they're not happy or keen, put the next best man in. I mean, this is, a lot of it is pandering to a type of ego that I wasn't, aware of when I grew up and certainly when I was in my cricket playing days, it was a completely different level, of course. The team dynamic was created by the team. and You know, there's too many chefs can spoil broth, but in the case of Langer, he seemed to be a good chef. Yeah, I agree. And, and now they're going to pay a bloke, clearly, somewhere just under a million dollars, which is, I think Langer was, it's, it's, Public knowledge that he was on around about nine hundred grand or there, thereabouts to coach the team, and then he was asked to pull back and not do what he was doing as a coach, which got him to the point where they won a T Twenty and they won a, won the Ashes. So stop doing what you're doing because you're too in their face. Um, so we'll still pay you the nine hundred, but you're not going to be doing what you're doing. Just do less. So now they just want someone to pat them on the bum and tell them they're good blokes and 
and uh, everyone's happy. Uh, I think it's bloody ludicrous. As I understand it, the players are a little bit disgruntled with him. And, you know, I couldn't give a shit whether the players don't like him. He's got the results and that's the only measure you need. Now, you know, you're not hiring a best friend for the players. You're hiring somebody to turn around that awful shit that happened in South Africa and he's done that. He's been very successful. And if Pat Cummins and some of the players don't like him, stiff shit. That's the way it is. You know, there's... Like, you know, if you're at school and said, oh, I don't like this teacher. Well, they didn't replace the teacher for you. You just had to deal with it. And that's what I think the players should do. You know, they're getting paid to play cricket. He's the coach. And the Cricket Australia, you know, Tennis Australia is loving it because they don't look as stupid as um, Cricket Australia now. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, and you're right. Uh, also, could I just add one thing? You know, this happened with that case of the Matildas as well. If you, oh, take yeah. a team, if you take a team or a squad full of players individually, put them in a room and say, what do you think of the coach? He's good. Oh, I really like him. Yeah, expand on that. Everything after that is going to be butt or, you know. I mean, fair them. <laughs> you can get complaints out of people, but they still generally don't mind or enjoy working under somebody. I very rarely would hear or would, would think that there's only praise for a coach. And if there was, he's probably doing something wrong because you're supposed to be pushing them into uncomfortable zones, aren't you? Look, the, the reality is that somebody, a, a non-player didn't like him. Don't blame the players for this because that decision was made by people who he might have rubbed the wrong way happens all the time, but unfortunately, the position of hiring and firing very rarely goes to somebody with the intimate knowledge of the person they're hiring or firing that is required. Yep. And you're right, I wouldn't like to be the bloke taken over. And and to that end, Brian, you're fired. (laughs) Well, actually, I've heard that... And hired. McDonald Tippin Woody is taking over the head coaching role of the Australian cricket team. He's taking time off from the Bombers, and rumour has it that he will be coaching the Australian cricket team. Well, why not? Why not? <laughs> you know, all you've got to do is pat him on the bum and say, good job, that's yep. fine. I'll yep. take 900. I'll do it for 450 to say, hey, you were great today. I'll tell you what, yeah. I'll go, I'll go, well, finally, and I'll go a thirds with you, and we'll, the three of us will do it, and we'll pick up 300 each. Yeah, right. well, you, you two actually know about cricket. I'll just be a good job, good job, and you guys can actually do some tactics and training and stuff. You know, I might have the tennis. Who gets to pat pat? <laughs> yeah, not sure. You can have not that pat, one. Pat. Uh, he's. Um, oh, I, I saw a post. I saw a, a post on social media today. Not that that's the you know litmus test of the world, but they said, has, has there ever been anyone in the, in the history of Australian cricket who's won the Ashes and lost the Australian public all in the space of a month? I don't think he has lost the Australian public. Oh, I'm not sure about that. She's looking at the Herald Sun today. Everybody's just bagging the shit out of Cricket Australia. Everybody's on, why would you get rid of him, you know? Yeah, 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 I know, I know that. I try to fix it. I know the Cricket Australia have copped the biggest brunt, but the players, and he's the head of the players, the players are copping a fair whack because of what's gone down because it's been player-driven. Well, Cricket Australia's making out that it's the players. Now, whether that's true or not, you know, they're going to come up with some kind of spin. Um, 
mm. you know. So I, I don't, you know, I don't know that we'll ever hear what really happened or the truth. Oh, we will. It'll just uh, it'll wait till the checks cleared from the Langer estate. So he's got another year of contract to run, has he? No, his contract is up in July. Was it finally? I think. Yes, it was. Remember, he wasn't sex, Brian. <laughs> He, oh, so he's he was on. like a blowfly to me. No, he yeah, he's saying he wasn't sacked. He wasn't sacked. He, was, he resigned. He resigned. Well, I bet you he ends up in England next year. They need a new coach. He's got a proven record. I've heard too that this is just a rumour, fellas, but Goose Hiddink has been approached <laughs> to uh, take over the Australian <laughs> cricket team. So uh, he did a good job with the Socceroos. I'm sure he do a good job with the cricket team. Uh, well, we're calling for the we're calling for the Socceroos, the Matildas coach, to be sacked, and uh, people yeah. were people are questioning um, uh, Graham Arnold uh, with that. Oh, I don't like Graham Arnold. Three months ago, um, uh, Ange Postacoglu was going to be sacked by Celtic, and now he's you know he, he could uh, he, he farts gold now. It's yeah. Well, it takes his teams a little while to get the hang of his play. Like the Japan team he had, it they didn't do too well, but they Japan, Japanese stuck with him in the next year he won the thing. So Yeah, but the press you know. the press are, so the press are instant. The press want uh, microwave results. They want to put it in three seconds later, take it out, and it's fully done. It's the most uh, I don't know. Dude, have you have you seen the cricket press and how they've handled this whole Langer situation, Finey? Oh, they're very much look. The cricket press is there's some very powerful players in cricket media, but when I say powerful, um, Craddock and Haig are highly respected. Written the print journalists, the rest are all sort of really ex players and aligned with various networks and stations. And I think the honest, worthwhile comments. Has all been, you know, if, are you, what are we doing here? We're getting rid of a bloke for being too Australian or, or too just true to himself. He hasn't really, Justin Langer has not had any major detractors come out of the shadows. So I don't believe they exist. And the media, the clever media, also don't believe they exist. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Fair point. Now, uh, the only other we've got to mention the soccer. Are you going to talk about Kidderminster? West Ham went within three minutes of the greatest upset in the history of the FA Cup. Now, FA Cup's been going 130 years, and no oh, team as lowly, yeah. no as lowly as lowly as Kidderminster Harriers, who play in the sixth tier of football, have ever beaten the team from the first division, Premier Division. And after 90 minutes, so after all the time had been played with just a couple of minutes or time added for injury, the Kidderminster Harriers led West Ham 1-0. <laughs> I was, and uh... West Ham scored. Then they was an extra 30 minutes. So after 30 minutes, you got 15 each way, and you get time added on for injury after 15 minutes each way. Well... Kevin and Brian, how much injury time could there be after 15 minutes of the second half of injury, of added time? Because after that full period, it was one all, but the, the referee allowed another 30 seconds and West Ham scored again, thus avoiding a shootout at the penalty spot, which could have embarrassed my team to the point where one to coach 
David Moyes said he was worried for his job. Well, well, righty, may might have been because that would have been one of the great turn. I'd never even heard of the Kidderminster Harriers, to be honest, until uh, I was watching bits and pieces on social media, and I saw, hang on, West Ham are getting what's going on here? Who who are this mob? I thought they must have been it must have been an international cup they were playing in. I didn't realise they were a sixth division side from England. Yeah, they are. They are. They've been in the fourth division briefly, but when you're Nick Baby. Kiddie, mm. as everybody refer- as everybody refers to them, you wouldn't want a pawn shop anywhere near the ground, would you? <laughs> no, but if you can look, you can have Pam and Tommy on the Disney Channel. You can have anything you yeah. like. I was talking to the uh, chairman of the Durham Football Club uh, on Sunday, yeah. and um, he was most impressed with um, the team that beat Manchester United. He just it was wow, it was fantastic, and. I spoke to him about Bournemouth. He thinks that Bournemouth will probably make it back into the Premier League. So it was great, you know. Me and me and Lord Botham. Mm. Yes. Not that I want to name. Now, drop. have you met? Have you, <laughs> have you met Ian Botham, Finey? Yep. You have met him. Yep. Okay, I haven't I met. I've, a, met, I've interviewed him, but I've never met him. When I played in the Victorian Golf Open Pro Am. Ah, right. I had, I had a drink because I, I played. The pro, the Am in my group was his Australian manager, and he was playing, so we all had a drink afterwards. Uh, oh, that's right. You told us the story of him drinking all the the beers really quickly. Oh, he just was the quickest, without even a burp or a change in tone or a slur. He drank three pints of beer, I think. Yep. <laughs> Quicker than I could possibly drink. A glass of water. I, I don't know whether he's got a, a gullet or whether he's somewhere in his family there's a pelican, but <laughs> I don't know how it does it. Yes. Uh, well, he was on his best behaviour. He was on the boat. He was on the boat with uh, Lord yeah. Brian of Sealand over here. And well, Brian and Brian Lord Botham. Bo- Bo- yes. Lord Botham and oh. Lady Lady Kath, they were there. Let's, and uh, No one fell on you he did. He came, He got. He got bloodied again. Yeah, I, I don't know. My skin must be so thin when I jump in the water; it just explodes or something. But uh, how did yeah, you get bloodied was, this time? I don't know. I just once again I get out of the water and somebody says, "Hey, you're bleeding again." It's like, oh god. So um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I must have really old, thin skin, or the blood's too fine, or something. I don't know. But um, had a wonderful day, and uh, what a pleasure to meet. Uh, Lord Surrey and Botham and, oh, uh, and his missus. Yes. What did you refer to him as? I beg your pardon? What did you call him? My Lord. Uh, no, so I called her Lady Kath and or Lady Botham and I called him uh, Lord Ian. And <laughs> you called um, him Lord Ian? Yeah, I, I think I called him Lord every time. You, Botham. you, you sucker. Yeah, uh, fair dinkum. Working class no, bride. Would you like to bring Lord Ian? Lord, Lord Ian. Can I pause and Lord Ian. Governor? <laughs> it was a bit of a running joke on the boat, you know. He's going to Lord Ian. Did you um? Did you twang up your accent? Did you did you British up your accent? Cockney up your accent? Go, hey, hey, Lord, no. here both them, here both them, over here both them. What do you think then? Well, no, I suggested to him that he was more like an Australian, you know, because he's you know a bit of a larrikin. And um, I said, you and Darren Goff, you seem more like Australians to yeah. me. 
that's fair. I think that's when he that's when he cut me, and that's why. It was, <laughs> 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 it was a knife attack from Beefy Botham. All right, now yeah. we're gonna I'm gonna get to the yeah, chuckers. Right, right. Did you know Lord Botham also played professional football for Scunthorpe? There you go. That's Kev was suggesting that earlier. And when he played for them, I can't tell this joke on, on air, of course. When he played for them, they say they were the only professional football team to have a certain body part in their name and in their team. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I can I can work that one out without having to be a really good speller. <laughs> um, I've, I've got that one. I'll explain. I'll send you a written explanation of that one, Brian. Thank um, you very much. Just write down the write down on a piece of paper in front of you the name of the team he played um, for in the English third division. Write it All down right, on cool. a piece of paper and then you'll work it out. Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe. Scun. Scunthorpe. For those of you uh, not hearing impaired at home, you've already worked it out, I know. Now, let us get to the chart. Oh, I <laughs> oh, see. She's <laughs> like the Aesop and the Orc. Yeah. Okay. Oh, jeez. Come on. This is a family show, oh, fellas. Lee. Come on. Um, okay. Let's get to Friday, October 13, 1972, the More Music 3X Fire Top 40 survey for that year. And the top ten is this. Boppin' the Blues by Blackfeather. Breaking Up is Hard to Do by the Partridge Family, Popcorn by Hot Butter, Promised Land by Dave Edmonds, Rock and Roll by Gary Glitter, Seal with a Kiss by Bobby Vinton, So Tough by Johnny O'Keefe, Long-Haired Lover from Liverpool by Jimmy Osmond and Boogie by Carson and number 10, Brandy, You're a Fine Girl by Looking Glass. What an eclectic top 10 that is. Yeah. How did you find it, Finey? I found it in the... Novelty bin. <laughs> a lot of silly songs. Yes, there, there are. A lot of silly, silly, silly songs that I was able to do my best and worst to sort of centered around the old the old rock and roll theme of sex, drugs and rock and roll played out very well for me this week. Sex, drugs and rock and roll. All right, we look forward to get uh, tapping into yours. What did you think of it, Mr Mannix, the child of the yeah. 70s that you are? I like this chart. Um because I was learning to play guitar and I learned to play a lot of these songs. And it was sort of a time when I was sort of really starting to get really into music. And um, so, you know, I used to, um, I think we might have got our first cassette player and so we'd record the songs off the radio so yeah. we could listen to them. And, um, no, I, I, I only just looked, started looking at it while the show started. So, um, but I was delighted that I know so many of them and um, I think I'm, I think I'm ready to go here. Yes, I'm good. Well, I'm, I'm glad because you're going to lead us off with your number three uh, good and your number three bad. Okay. Well, my number three good mm-hmm. is um, it's probably the last really big hit he had, I think. Um, I'm not sure. But Elvis, Burning Love, um, finally somebody gave Elvis a decent song and um, and because he had a decent song, it worked and became a hit. And I know from reading Alana Nash's book, it meant a hell of a lot to Elvis because he hadn't had a, a big hit for a while and um, he felt like he was back. And so it really did his mental state the world of good, but didn't stop him from taking 120 different amphetamines yeah. and sleeping pills and painkillers and, you know, die lauded and all that. But, you know, I think it's a great song and um, 
the band he had at that point was really good. You know, he only surrounded himself with great musicians. So well, I think that's um, the good one. Yeah, it is a good song. Hunka, hunka. Yeah. Hunka, hunka, burn and love. Well, the interesting thing about that too is that Elvis was so friggin' lazy that he goes, <laughs> Elvis, Elvis, you got to go and do the, do the song and the singing, you know? And he's like, hey, man, Red, you go down and do the, the guide track. I'll, I'll come and do it later. So Red, Red, his bodyguard, when he was a pretty good singer, he wrote Blue Christmas, he went down and did the vocals, you know, right. for the band. So he's doing a guide vocal. But all of the hunger, hunger, boom, love, that was Red came up with that. Oh, and really? I was just impersonated it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. My friend Rachel was telling me that I was, don't give enough detail about why I pick a song or enough information. She's saying, yeah, I like this song. It's good. It's not good enough, she says. So okay. I'm, I'm working on it. There Rachel. you go. Well, you've given us more than enough information there on your number three, Burning Love. What's your number three, Bad? Well, I think we, you know, little Jimmy Osmond, you know, long-haired lover from Liverpool. Um, I think we can safely say that's a piece of shit. Um, I think I liked it at the time because he was only about oh, my age. Oh, you did not. Tell me that. You well, just bullshitted. Well, it was my age. It was, it was showing me that somebody my age could have a hit single. A shit single? A shit single, yes. Oh, it's um, awful. It is awful. It's dreadful. But um, that's why it's my number three worst. But um, at the time, I was kind of impressed that somebody, you know, 12 or 11 could have a hit single. I thought, or a shit single. Yeah, so that's my number three bad. Right, okay. Well, all right. Yeah, yeah. It's in mine too. It's in mine too, uh, and lovingly, of course. Uh, Finey, cool. number three good and bad, what do you got for us? Well, number three bad is a an instrumental hit. Mm-hmm. First of all, it annoys me because the one thing that's saving grace about instrumental is that nobody can sing along, but everybody wants to sing along to this. Mm. And also, it comes by, it's by a band now. It's a popcorn. Oh. I don't know. Is it acapella? Is it electronic? Is it an actual popcorn machine? I don't know. But it's by hot butter. Mm. Now, either hot butter were put together for the express purpose of making popcorn, or they planned all their future hits to be hot butter based. Maybe they got to get, maybe they sort of collaborated with bread to make toast. Right. Mm. No, I think he's, I think you're reading too much into it. Fine, but never mind. It's it's the seventies, and it is a piece of crap. Um, an awful, awful song. Uh, so, what's your number three good? So, my number three good is this where I we start the sex and drugs and rock and roll, or was popcorn starting that? No, no, we start with sex and drugs and rock and roll right now. And I think we'll start with. I guess I'm just going to have to forget. The band, or the, forget the artist and like the music. I've, I know sometimes I'm going to be critical on the behaviour of people, but mm-hmm. I love rock and roll by Gary Glitter. I just hate Gary Glitter, you know. What can I do about it? I still like the music. That's rock and roll. Mm-hmm. I guess part one by Gary Glitter. Yeah, I'm with you. I bought it as a single. I bought the single. I thought it was a great song. Brilliant. And, I, and I'm with you. I don't like him at all. Um, and he was apparently quite a pain in the ass to deal with, um, but, uh, yeah, I agree. It's a good song. It's a good song. Um, uh, Brian, you've got me. Uh, I'm going with your number three, uh, Long-Haired Lover from Liverpool. I'm happy to concur with yeah. you on that one as my number three bad. My number three good, oh, there's so many songs I like in this. Um, yeah, me too. Uh, but I'm going to go with an Aussie one at number three, 
and that is the song that is number one on this chart because I just thought they, I thought it was a really good band, Black Feather. Um, their yeah. version of Season of Change I loved more than the Fraternity version. I never knew that um, they actually recorded it. When they did their version, Bon Scott sings backup vocals on it and then said to them, I really like the song, can I go and record it with my band Fraternity? And they said, yeah, that's okay. Said, but don't put your version out. We'll put ours out as a single. And you, you, and they agreed to, Blackfeather agreed to that and the record company reneged and when they saw that Fraternity were going to have a hit with it, they whacked the Blackfeather one out, thereby stuffing both songs' chances of, of having a hit with it. But I, I just think Neil Johns just sings this song so well. It's such a good little song and every time it comes on the radio, you, the odd times it comes on the radio, and when I hear it, I just go, yeah, that's a bloody good song, really good. I think it was the only Australian number one song for 1972, so I'm happy to have that as my... Um, my good number three. Yeah. Um, I remember hearing it a lot on the radio. I remember taping it on the cassette player. Oh, it used um, to be played all the time. Not anymore, but it used to be. Grave. No. No, it was good. It's, it's good. Good, a good summer song. It's a really good summer song. One of those songs you put on, yeah. you go, yeah, here we go. Right, O'Brien, two. Uh, look, I'm going to struggle to – there's so many songs here that I really like. Um, I'm going to go with number 11, Ricky Nelson. Garden oh, Party. Nice. I play that quite regularly. I've got it on a playlist. And, um, you know, obviously he did a gig at the um, Madison Square Gardens and, you know, with John Lennon and all of that. And um, nobody recognised him, so he went over like a ton of shit. And um, so, but that's the song about that. And I like the lyrics and, um, you know, and, you know, if you can't, you can't please everyone, so you've got to please yourself. And I thought, you know, that's great advice. But I, I think it's just one of those songs when you hear it, it just makes you feel kind of happy and you tap your foot and that. So, um, yeah, go good on you, Ricky Nelson, before you blew yourself up by doing crack cocaine in the plane. Yeah. Well what a way for him to, him to die. Uh, that was so bloody ridiculous given who he was and what he'd grown up with, the Aussie and Harriet stuff and all that and pin-up boy yeah. of all America and stuff and then, you know, he's knee-deep in uh, uh, cocaine and shit. It was just quite really surprising. Yeah, it was... Um, all right, number two, bad. There's no shortage uh, of bad songs on this chart. I want to go for, because uh, I don't think you guys will pick this, but number 25, I believe it's Gilbert O'Sullivan, isn't it? Yes. Who wackadoo? Who um, wackadoo. Name is Rita, and you should meet her. Yeah, that's pretty, you know, pretty ordinary for Gilbert O'Sullivan. He did write um, Alone Again, which was a pretty good Beautiful song. Beautiful song. Depressing, but very well thought out. Oh, he wrote, he wrote some good songs. So Claire was a lovely song. Yeah, but who could do? I think he's just got onto the wacky tobacco and um, <laughs> it's affected his judgment. Yeah. Anyway, that's my number three yep. bad. Gilbert O'Sullivan, who I could do. Finey, number two, good and bad. What have we got? Number two bad. I just need to bother to check who this is by. I mentioned it's something irrelevant. Iconically Australian, must have made. I think, you know, if you ever. I know that they started releasing songs and promotional ads to promote Australia, posed at the forefront. Look at this ad. This song. If people heard it around the world, probably cost us about 20,000 tourists. As I read back on the toilet seat when I was there last night. Now, oh. now you know, ah, oh, very Australian. Certainly, I've been looking at toilet seats in a different way, but still, 
Not one of mine. Not not something you get up and dance. Slim Newton was the man's name, and I think that was the only thing he ever had a uh, a, a hit with, and it was quite a big hit. Yep, it was. I I was just learning guitar. My brother was just learning guitar, and um, that was one of the songs he learnt. Jeez, it would have been nice to be your neighbour. Here's you and your brother Chris banging out "Long-Haired Lover" from Liverpool, and read back on the toilet said, "Oh shit, I wish I lived <laughs> next door to you." Nineteen seventy-two. Uh, God. Well, there you go. Doggy <laughs> in the window. <laughs> What's going on with the little red wagon? What's going on with the little red wagon? Oh, oh there's some shit songs you had to play to, to learn to play guitar, but anyway. What's your number two good, Finey? Okay, this song was actually specifically made for the movie in which it debuted, but I'm a bit of a fan of the old Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, Candyman. I do like the song Candyman. I just like it. Now, you know Candyman was very innocently really about a Candyman who mixes it with love and makes the world taste good. But by the time Rocky Horror Picture Show had come out, do you remember the opening line to Sweet Trevor's Vest Oh, you might and probably do it. See, you met my How do you do Handyman, handyman. <laughs> he's just a little strung out because when you knocked, he thought you were the Candyman. Correct. Well done, Brad. Beautiful. Yeah. Yes, Candyman. Um, I'm ready. Not, I'm ready to play that role. Probably a bit old, but the, anyway, I'm ready. The Candyman was not bringing by freckles and caramel bugs. Like that, <laughs> yeah, no. I think he might be doing something with freckles. Don't worry about yes, that. Yes. Okay. Fine. <laughs> um, right. Uh, number Candyman by uh, Sammy Davis Jr. is number. Okay, so sex and ah, the drug that's the drug. So the third one, the one your number one's going to be sex inspired. All right, uh, my- oh, no, the, the, the drugs and sex and the whole lot put together, baby. <laughs> okay, uh, my number, what am I up to? My number two, bad. Uh, well, I'm actually going to go with um, Jimmy's older brother, Donnie, um, and uh, Puppy Love. Um, just <laughs> sorry. You know, between between the whole kind of, you know, holier than thou, smiling, Cheshire smiling, uh, you know, puritanical family that the Osmonds were, uh, they also did some re- – they did one good song, I reckon, called One Bad Apple, and everything else they did should be buried somewhere, uh, you know. Uh, the Mike Kerb um, record label, a lot to answer for. So Puppy Love is my number two bad, and it's, it's an awful song. And my number two good – Oh, geez, it's a toss-up here between about six or seven songs. Uh, I do love um, the Slade song that's in this top 40. I always like that one. I do yeah. love the Holly song that's in this top 40. I think that's a terrific song. Yes, it I, is. I like the Sherbet song that's in here, You're All Woman. That's a good one. I like the Mississippi song, but I'm going to go with Todd Rundgren's I Saw the Light. I really like that. and I, It's one of those mm-hmm. songs that just every time I hear it, it takes me back to 1972 and it makes me feel really good. Not that it wasn't, you know, a pivotal moment with somebody else. It was just a song that reminds me that that was a really good time and, and I thoroughly enjoyed it as a song. So that's my number two good is Todd Rundgren, I Saw the Light. Now, number one, Brian Mannix, good and bad, sir. Um, well, there's, you know, I kind of find something not bad about all of these songs and there's a couple I could go with. But um, I think I'm going to go with number 12 for number my bad. Number 12 is your bad, which is Beautiful Sunday by beautiful Daniel Beautiful Sunday. 
by Daniel Boone. Mm. And Daniel Boone was a man. He was a big man. Not that Daniel Boone. With an eye like an eagle. Not that a, Daniel Boone. Daniel Boone was a I man. Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> Not that Daniel Boone. <laughs> oh, so um, yeah, it's it's just it's just annoying. I think you know I liked it at the time, but mm. ma 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 a beautiful Sunday. This is ma ma. Ma, beautiful day. Actually, it's not that bad, is it, really? But anyway, I've locked it in at the number one worst, yeah. so bad luck. He had a couple of big hits. That Skydiver was a massive hit for him too. Remember that came out? I was playing that when I first started in radio. That, that was pretty annoying. My dad used to always sing it wrong. And you go, down, 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 Skydiver. <laughs> we go, Dad, that's not the melody. That's not how it goes. You've got the words wrong. And he's going, oh, I'm just improving it. <laughs> All <laughs> right, what's your, what's your number one good? Well, you know, it, it breaks my heart not to be able to put Slade uh, Take Me Back Home in because I, I love that song and, you Me know, too. spent a lot of time playing it in my band Hash. Um, but it's one that I just sort of really got into the last probably 10 years and it's number 10, it's Brandy by Looking Glass. Are you serious? Think it. There's something about that song, it's like, I just feel myself, and it comes on, I just have to become a cabaret star. There's a lad on the northern shore. I said, Brandy. You're a fine girl. What a good wife you'd be, but my life, my love is the ocean. Yep. So it sounds like he's, he's, the sailors come in and give him one to Brandy. Oh, it do, it's, not, it's not as tawdry as that. Jeez. She serves a thousand scotches a day. Yeah, it's got, she's serving style. drinks. She's not bloody putting it out for the sailors everywhere. Well, why is he making the excuse like you know? You're don't fine turn girl. Brandy into the local trollop if you don't mind. Just she keep her trollop. She was and not. She just won't be loved and get married. Now but stop it. Picking the wrong guy. Now stop it. All these sailors. You're not sullying my number one song as well. You can sully your own, but you're not sullying mine. <laughs> All right. All right, All yeah, right. well, okay, that, that that really surprised me that you picked that, uh, but I'm, I'm pleasantly it makes, surprised. It makes me happy. Yeah, it does. It's good. That's it. It's exactly. Same with Todd Rundgren for me and Brandy for me as well. Finey, your number one uh, sex, drugs, rock and roll, good, and uh, whatever it is down the dumpster with your number one bad, what do you got? Well, number one bad is full of sex. I think you can here, but this bloody ivory Half elephant, half seal, half man, Donny Olsen. Donny. Right. <laughs> and it's not bad enough that he absolutely gave everybody the heebie-jeebie singing when he's singing with Marie they, and their longing love songs looking into each other's eyes. Very disturbing. Yeah, very. We know that the Mormon religion does practice polygamy and uh, other confusing surrounding marriage, so when he brings out puppy love and he's advocating not only bestiality, but <laughs> to do it with young dogs, <laughs> therefore a form of pedophilic bestiality, <laughs> I feel personally that one could turn off. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Not good enough to be talking about loving a dog, getting underage dog. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Very good point you make. Yep. Very good point. Yep. You know, I mean, 
Even Gary Glidden didn't sing that one. Okay. <laughs> right, I watch your sex, drugs, rock and roll, triumphant number one. After midnight, we're going to let it all. Now, I can't sing, but I certainly love the sentiment. Love JJ Kale. Love After Midnight. You know, nothing yeah. good happens after midnight or everything good happens after midnight. <laughs> Depends whether you're, the, whether you're the president of a nauseating football club like Collingwood or you're a rock and roll star. And I reckon, Brian, after midnight, you can let it all hang out. You let it all hang out. Um, I'm actually letting it all hang out right now. No, I don't, you don't need that? to. Okay. You're, you, you, we're not going to be doing this on Zoom anymore if you're going to keep doing that stuff. No, I'm um, sorry. Just, no wonder really didn't dial. I'm having a good hang day. No so wonder Finey like didn't dial into, into the uh, Zoom part of this uh, uh, conversation. Now, my number one good day, I've, I've been gazumped too. It's, it's Brandy by Looking Glass. I love it. I've always loved yeah. it. Always thought it was a great song. Um, I watched uh, the bloke who uh, sang it and who, uh, and who wrote it talking about it this afternoon, it was originally started as Randy and then he changed it because he thought, well, it's neither, yeah. it's neither a boy or a girl. So he made the story up himself. It wasn't, um, you know, one that he'd read somewhere or anything. It just came into his head and he did it. Um, and then when, when Scott English had a song called Mandy, which was a hit, yeah. but only a hit in England and Australia and uh, sort of the rest of the world. It wasn't a hit in America. So... Barry Manilow got this song Brandy and thought, well, I'll, I'll do that. And then Looking Glass had a massive hit and uh, poor old uh, Barry Manilow had to go, well, what do I do now? Oh, I know. I'll call it Mandy. So he ch- changed Brandy to Mandy and so he didn't clash with Brandy, you're a fine girl. But Mandy's a different song. Yeah, totally different song. But Mandy, yeah. is, actually, Mandy is actually a version of Brandy, um, which Scott English had as a hit, which really? was a hit here. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Because it's... It's not a Manilow song. Yeah, but, and originally, Scott, you go look it up on YouTube, Scott English does a song called Brandy, which is that song, which he wrote. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. And then he wrote another song called Brandy. No, 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 no. Then then Looking Glass came out and that, that stopped Manilow ah, from... So Brandy what, became Mandy. Yeah. Okay, now I get it. Okay. All right. I uh, know it took a while. I know it took a... <laughs> And Brian, he played for Scunthorpe. Um, anyway. Brandy was Mandy. Kevin yeah. Davis talking about a man who sold candy, which was handy, <laughs> but not so handy for the handyman in the song Sweet Friends. This side, he was looking for a different candy man, not Mandy, not Brandy. That's handy. And read the last word to the always rhetorical question asking. That was a good song, wasn't it, Peter Landy? Yeah, Peter Landy. Peter Landy. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't someone do a song about Peter Landy? And wasn't my, that a free kick? That was a free kick, wasn't it? You're yeah. the commentator. Tell me. Yep. Now, my number one bad. Gee, there's a lot I could choose from. There's a there's a yep. fair few still left in my pile. Here. Daddy, don't you walk so fast by Wayne Newton? Oh. God. Oh, I don't mind that song. Oh, Brian, seriously, I'm glad I didn't live near you in the seventies. The love between the two of us was dying. And it got so bad I knew I had to leave. Are you, are you going to Queensland soon? Um, halfway down the highway, turned around and saw my little daughter running after me, singing, Daddy, don't you walk so fast. Beautiful song. What was your big hit by Newton? Dunkershan. Dunkershan, darling, which they've turned into Labashine. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I've heard. I remember after Vienna across 
didn't win the cup. Remember that Melbourne Cup or the Caulfield Cup was the end across? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, those things, fuck you, Shane. The Shane guy. <laughs> That's right, he, he murdered it. That's what he did yeah, to Shane guy, Shane guy tried to be the first person to ride a cup, ride, a, ride, ride the winner of the cup and pick up the after race celebratory drink before the third, before the post. Yep. And they did give that it to him. That was the worst ride I've ever seen. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it did go. It's in the annals of, of uh, racehorse Fuck history. Is one of the worst. Darling. Darling. <laughs> uh, uh, my number one worst, though, I've, I've resumed. I reckon you would have done this one on your guitar too, Mr Mannix, knowing given the form you've shown so far tonight, uh, I, I reckon. Daddy, don't walk so fast was your number one bad. No, no. no. no I, got one, that? I got one better That's than that. Funny. No, no, no. I just mentioned it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I was just saying it's an awful song. No, my number one bad is uh, by Farron Osmond, the, uh, the uh, little talked about Osmond brother, and his uh, big song of the time, It's Four in the Morning. I reckon you would have played that. I reckon your dad would have sung that one, Brian. I reckon Farron should just go to bed. Farron should, should have gone to bed before he wrote that. Up with. Just go uh, to talk bed, about Farron. nothing good happens after midnight. Nothing good happens at four in the morning. Because and Farron is living proof of that. So Farron Young gets my. I've had some good things happen at four in the morning recently, and I'm I'm very happy about it. Okay, here we go. Uh, So there you go. That's uh, what is it? Uh, October 1972. Just on that. What a year! Mm -hmm. I'm up at four in the morning every single day, and thank God I am. Because if I didn't, I'd be pissing the bed. <laughs> yes, yes. And on that note, we may adjourn for another week. Thank you, boys. It's been uh, good as always. Uh, finally, we'll get you in the in the proper uh, uh, sort of ensemble here next week. We'll make sure that that's all working. We've had our minor technical hitches. But it's, it's good to catch up with you both. Take care, boys. Uh, Thank you, Kevin. I cannot wait funny. to find out. Who Gilligan heads out to see with me? Yes. <laughs> yes. Hey, little buddy. Yeah. Oh, goodness me. See you, boys. Daddy, slow down, son, cause you're making me run. Daddy, don't you walk so fast. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. 